Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to experience a grace that heals. Allow this grace to take your life and your relationships to another level as it frees you from the weight of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode as Joel Groh and Lynn Wilder share encouraging stories and candid dialogue that can help you experience a grace that heals. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Unveiling Grace podcast. So glad you're with us again. I'm Joel Grote. And I'm Lynn Wilder. And um, we have just come off a seven-week tour with Adams Road this summer, Joel. I love this because even when we go on the Eastern tour in the summer, like we always do, folks who are questioning their Mormon faith or who are in transition find us and come. And so a lot of people that I might have talked to over the phone in the past or um, messaged get to meet face-to-face. Oh, and and that is so cool. Yeah. So that's what I wanted to do for this, for like, for this episode. I just wanted you to tell some stories from on the road and how God's grace is really moving in people's lives. Really looking forward to hearing some of the stories about what's been going on. Well, you're going to like this one. I'll start with this one because it's just for us. Okay. Um, There is a young Christian woman, young, probably in her late 30s, who has found the podcast who was so attached to the podcast, she could tell me details from past podcasts. She says she sits on the edge of her seat until you post the next one. (laughs) And she drove several hours from Massachusetts to New York to meet someone who was on the Unveiling Grace podcast. Background in Catholicism, raised Catholic, performance-based religion in her past, and then nearly joined Mormonism, found our ministries, and um, got connected to the podcast, and is just blown away by this idea of grace. Many, many people within religion don't know grace, Joel. And she said she sits on the edge of her seat every week, learning more and more, and then looking up the scriptures that she might better understand how she doesn't have to somehow perform for God so that he might save her. But um, And now she has a heart, she said, for others who are in performance-based religion. But such a shy woman, she wouldn't even have her picture taken. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Oh, that is so cool. Well, and that I mean, that's the thing. When you start getting into grace, when you understand biblical grace, you realize Christianity, biblical Christianity, is the only religion where your relationship with God is based on something he gives where he opens the door, he makes all the provision for the relationship to work and happen. And it doesn't mean that we don't step into it with our part, but in terms of us being able to connect with God, and that makes Christianity unique of any of, of all the world religious systems. And it's just so cool because it's a gift. Um, And it's, it's an invitational relational God who just, who can I say craves, he desires strongly relationship with us and he's made a way for it to happen. Oh man. Well, that's very encouraging to hear because sometimes I wonder, okay, we do these podcasts. I know people are listening, 
but you know, how much impact is it really being held? So to hear stories like that, that's just, that's just great. Yeah. I'm doing better about when someone calls me, um, sending them the link to the podcast, because I think, you know, a lot of these things you need to hear repeatedly. I remember when I first got saved, I started listening to Adam's road music and I, Mm -hmm. and it's 80% scripture. And so I would hear the same scripture over and over and over. And sometimes I think it was the 50th time I heard it, that it would click, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. Um, it's such a process, especially since you have learned the gospel to be something else have to relearn it in a new way. And for anyone in performance-based religion, I love what you said, that, that the one unique thing about biblical Christianity is God's offering of this free gift of grace. And he is reaching out to you in love that you might be saved and nothing that you can do to make him happy with you, to make him save you, right? Right. So more stories. I mean, because you, how long were you on the road for this particular tour? It was a couple Mike months, and I were it? with them six plus weeks. They okay. were out seven weeks. We had to come back a little bit early because one of my daughter-in-laws is a teacher and had to go back to work. Um, love this couple. I will call him Dave. Okay. He and I have communicated a few times over the last several months. He got saved out of Mormonism, started going to a Christian church. His wife was so emotionally attached to Mormonism, so afraid of what people would think of her if she questioned Mormonism, oh, you know, yeah. had this, this very normal kind of families forever attachment to Mormonism. And yeah. he would get very frustrated that even in her head, she might realize Mormonism wasn't a good thing, but she was so attached to the people and her parents and his parents and the ward people and, and all of that, right? That she just didn't seem to be making any progress. Well, we started communicating and I said, you know, see if you'll just get her to come and hear the Adams Road testimonies. Well, they showed up early and um, they sat about midway. They had a couple of kids with them. And afterwards, she came to the book table where I was. And I just put my arms around her, took her aside in a corner and just let her talk. And she was in this very emotional place. And she probably talked for 45 minutes. Wow. And at that point, she felt like she had the courage now to maybe move ahead, rethink Mormonism, um, look at where her husband now was. And uh, although she had been attending the church with him, she'd been also attending the Mormon church. Um, and, And they're not in Mormon territory. They were in Virginia or something. I can't remember now, Pennsylvania. But um, husband radically saved, wife just not quite there. How many times do we encounter those kind of dichotomies yes. with couples? Right. And it's so often that happens because very, very few times do people process at the same rate of speed or through the same things. And if there's anything you and I have experienced in all the years of ministry working with this sort of mixed marriage situation is the spouse that's come to see the truth, that's come to the Lord, that's had that infusion of grace, really just needs to be patient 
They need to be, mm. they need to start demonstrating all the fruit of the spirit, the patience, the love, the kindness, the gentleness, because so often that's what opens the door to the heart of the other person. But that process can take months, even years. I mean, we've interviewed people who it was two or three years where one was kind of further down the road than the other. And God finally broke through um, and brought salvation. So, oh, it's so, and it's so great when you can make those personal connections to just have that physical face-to-face -face and just listen, just let her pour out, I'm sure, concerns and heart and questions. Um, and you know, I've, I've been, Joel, Joel, I've been thinking about this on our podcast. I know I'm the one who's always really careful that we don't have anyone on, you know, that I feel like is still kind of in that not making a decision place, right? Yeah. I always want people to have made the decision for Christ and then to be able to articulate that. But I've been I've been thinking that there might be some real value in talking to some of these people who are still processing, right? And right. so I will ask this couple if they'll be on the podcast here soon and, okay. um, you know, let him tell his story. He certainly is just on fire for Jesus at the <laughs> moment and um, let his wife tell why she's held back and what kind of things have held right. her back. And I can see where that would be really helpful because there are so many people in that transition stage and, mm -hmm. and it is a process. And I guess more than anything to know, to let people know that this God of grace is patient, that this God of grace will wait. Um, and that if you're open to his spirit and if you're open to the word, he will give you very specific personal instruction and direction and help if we're open to it. I, the well, verse comes think, to mind go ahead. that um, that he is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. I mm -hmm. probably killed that verse. No, we'll put I it in the show that. notes. But but that but that's the God that anybody who comes after God with a heart to truly know Him, He's not going to stay hidden. He's going to reveal Himself to them because He wants that relationship. But having come from Mormonism, I did, I couldn't wrap my head around that. I couldn't believe that. I couldn't believe that these circumstances actually could have been orchestrated by God because in Mormonism, you have to do everything yourself. And the idea that there's a God that's real and living and cares enough about you that he's willing to step in, answer your questions, put the right people in your path, um, have things jump out at you from the word. I mean, yeah. at first I just thought all of that was circumstantial, right? Oh yeah, well, no, this God really <laughs> is there and he freaked me out a few times and I thank God that he did. And yet, even so as a Mormon, I didn't want to believe that was God. Oh no, not really. Um, and why do you, God, why do you think that is? What, what is it about what component or what aspect of the Mormon religion makes it so that you would almost not want to believe that God could be that personal, that invasive in a right, you know, in a, in a good way that pursuing? Well, I had a very different God in Mormonism. I saw God as a um, rule giver 
Okay. And a man who had a hammer who was waiting for me to mess up. <laughs> okay. And it was his job to have all these rules, and it was my job to try to live all of them, live all the commandments <laughs> all the time. And he was aware of whether I was or not, right? At least his priesthood responsibility folks who were watching me were aware yes. of what I was doing all the time. Didn't have a very positive, like, fatherly relationship with this God. I did probably didn't like him very well. <laughs> I was just constantly out to please him. So I didn't see him as someone who loved me. I didn't see him as someone who was out for my good or who would show up. There's yeah. a second, there's a second part answer to this, Joel. Okay. I had a, an epiphany in the temple one time, and I may have mentioned this to you before, Jesus and God in the temple talking to each other. And God says, Jesus, go down and check on the man, Adam. And Jesus goes to Peter, James, and John and says, check, go down and check on the man, Adam. They go down and check on the man, Adam. They report back up to Heavenly Father. And says he's, he is surprised to know that <laughs> Satan is on the earth leading the posterity of Adam astray. Boy, it hit me like a ton of bricks. What do you mean he's surprised? Is he not omniscient? Is he not omnipotent? Can he not he not see all things? Did he not hear Adam's prayer? Yeah, is right? he not omnipresent? Did he, you know? Can he not see what's going on? Does wow. he not care? And then I had this thought. It's because he has a body of flesh and bone that physically limits him. He can't be all places at once. Right. That's, yeah. So now I've got this God that's more of a CEO who's telling other people to do stuff and they're reporting back to him. Well, if I'm drowning, how's he going to show up? He's going to have to show come <laughs> send somebody to check on me. And by the time they get back up there, I'm going to be dead. I mean, I had a very different perception of God. Wow. Yeah. And I think that's a perception that non-Mormons don't realize is there. I think very often we assume that while there are definitely differences in terms of how God is presented in Mormonism as an exalted man, has a body of flesh and bones, had to work his way up to Godhood, there's still a sense, I think, and then I know it's something that I had um, until I got deeper into Mormonism and studying the primary sources and seeing actually what Mormon prophets and what the teaching books were saying. Up until that point, I just kind of thought, okay, yeah, he had that in the past, but now that he's God, he's got all the everything that the biblical God has, but that's not the case. He no. can't. No, there's something called eternal progression in Mormonism, which means someone who's attained Godhood is always learning. So he knows more tomorrow than he did today. Wait a minute. Who wants a God who doesn't know it all from the beginning? The God of the Bible has always known everything from the beginning. And yet yes. the gods of Mormonism have to do this eternal progression thing that they might learn more and more and more. That's not the same God. And that's not a God that I know now nor is it a God that I would want to follow, but it is a God of a performance-based religion, not just Mormonism. Right. Because the reason God is God is because he performed. 
So of course he's going to expect you to do, how could you do any less than what he's already had to do to get to where he is? So if you're gonna get to where he is now, which eventually, obviously within Mormonism, he's gonna move on, you're never gonna catch up with God the Father. So yeah, I, I hadn't thought about that aspect of it. He's a performing God. He's going to expect performance from his children. That's yeah. the way it works. And that's the way it is with even earthly relationships. If you have a type A, hugely driven father who worked his way through whatever it was, whether it was sports or law or medicine or whatever, and he did that based on all that he did himself, he is going to expect that of his children. He's going to expect that they follow in his steps. And if they don't, there's going to be huge amounts of potentially disappointment, shame, and more and more, that's what I sense Mormons constantly battle feeling from the Mormon Heavenly Father is a sense of estrangement, a sense of shame, a sense of blame, a sense of not measuring up. Mm -hmm. And that's just, I don't know, that's heartbreaking because that is like so not God um, and so not the God of the Bible who wants to love and help his children. And sent Jesus to do all the performing for them so they could benefit from that. And wow. it helps you understand why people who decide Mormonism isn't true and leave have had enough of God. They right. don't want some old man with all these rules constantly <laughs> judging them, right? Yes. Um, well, yeah, That is absolutely. not the God of the Bible. Not the God of the Bible. Thought you'd be interested in this story. Okay. Um, I don't know a lot about this group, but apparently this is a cult-like Christian group. And okay. um, the There's woman who <laughs> came from it called them true lighters. Oh, okay. She had come to see Adams Road two years ago when we were at a church near her, and she was a true lighter. And afterwards, she came to the book table where I was, and I could see that she was really moved by the testimonies. And I yeah. just looked right at her and I said, are you ready to give your life to Jesus? <laughs> and she said, I think I am, right? Wow. And then I apparently took her to a corner of the room. We prayed to receive Jesus. So here she is two years later, I get to see her again because we're at another church in the area and she drives to see us. And she said, do you remember I put you in my car? She put me in her car and we drove to the parking lot of that church that she had gone to. And okay. we prayed over the people that God would break the spirit of blindness over them. She said, wow. I want to tell you what has happened in the last two years. She said there are young families in their 30s and 40s with younger children, many of whom have started attending a Bible study in a Christian's backyard. And wow. she said, I mean, several of families from that church. Some of them are still attached to that church, but they are getting the word in them. And she said, I know exactly what's where that's, <laughs> that's going to lead. But what a glory to God, right? This yes. is who God is and what he does. This is an incident I didn't even remember, right? And yet yes. she told me, of course, I had vague. Okay, yeah, right. I remember that happening. We meet a lot of people, right, on tour. Um, but every once in a while, we get a glimpse, right, of what God is doing in other people's lives. And that's 
that's a blessing of ministry, right, Joel? Oh, absolutely. And and it's a blessing of staying in ministry for the long term, for the long haul, because um, I don't know if I've shared on the podcast, but I had, you know, one woman that I worked with and she, I think, re-came to faith. She'd been in Mormonism, converted to Mormonism as a teenager, married into a very large, extensive Mormon family, and then came back to Christ, realized Mormonism was false. And then for 10 years, prayed for her husband and waited for God to wake him. And he was willing to let her be non-Mormon, but still he and his whole family were, were, and so it was just really cool then to get an email from him 10 years later saying, we've never met. I didn't even know about you until just like a couple of weeks ago when my wife told me that you were influential in her both staying with me in her transition out of Mormonism, but I've now come to faith. And I just want to say thank you for having a part in my wife's life, having a part in saving my marriage, having a part in my salvation indirectly. And I'm like, how cool is that? But that was, that was 10 years. <laughs> yeah. So I, so maybe to anybody who's maybe in ministry right now, just as an encouragement, man, if God has called you to ministry, whatever you do, don't leave until you feel like God is the one who's releasing you or moving you someplace else. Stay faithful because there is so much that we get to see in terms of fruit over the, over the long term, And obviously for mm. me, that's gonna be one of the coolest things about heaven. The coolest thing about heaven, I think, is running into all those people. I'm glad we're gonna have an eternity because there's gonna be so many stories of people um, impacted by grace. So, oh, that is so, that is so cool. So she's growing, obviously, maturing in her faith and, and doing yeah, well then. Yeah, and on fire, yeah. And eager to see the other people who are under the umbrella of performance-based religion get free. And um, I just get to watch. I, I literally see it as God's work. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we, we get to watch. Um, every believer should be willing to step into that salvation conversation whenever it comes up. Um, I often say that I had a lot of Christian family when I was Mormon and I do not recall one time in 30 years that any Christian family or no even made an effort to have a conversation with me about faith. And I beg people, I beg Christians to talk to people about your faith. Who cares what they think of you? um, That they might get saved down the road, even if they're mad at you at first. It doesn't matter, right? And, And just to say to people, who, well, you know, I'd like to, but I don't know what to do or what to say. Both IRR.org and mm-hmm. unveiling Mormonism.com. Unveiling Mormonism.com. Mm-hmm. We have resources to help you start the conversation. You and I have both written chapters in a book called Sharing the Good News with Mormons, which is all or almost all relational approaches to getting a conversation started in ways that care about the Mormon and invite them in to the gospel. So if what's keeping you back is maybe the tools are not knowing exactly what to say or how to say it, please reach out to us via the podcast. We will happily, um, Lynn or I, or both of us, uh, give you some tools and some mentoring 
because this is what we've been doing. And it isn't easy. It, it takes a step of faith. It takes some courage. You have to be willing to accept the possibility, very real possibility of rejection because people don't accept the truth right away. In fact, a statistic I've heard over and over and even seen it when I've had Mormons kind of like go back and play it out is from the first time like a really strong LDS person is confronted with the gospel or confronted with something that challenges their Mormon faith. It can be seven years till they come to faith in Christ from that first challenge. Yeah. And so we don't know, and maybe, maybe you'll be the first one. And so it's going to seem like it didn't do much, but you don't know, you might be at the end of year seven and be the person who like, they're ready finally. So and part of that is because there are so many things taught in Mormonism with Christian language yes. that do not line up with the Bible. And so Mormons leaving and coming to biblical faith has to sort through all of those things. Do we need a priesthood? Is there a pre-existence? over and over and so we have a resource called the bible topical guide that identifies 40 things that mormonism teaches and gives bible verses for each of those topics so you can see what the god of the bible has to say about that good thing uh for conversations and we we're at the end i know yeah. and i will end by telling you someone who was a mormon bishop a year ago just came to Christ, and uh, hopefully we'll get wow. to talk to him. So. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Well, thanks, Lynn. Man, what an encouraging episode. Hopefully our listeners have been encouraged. I certainly have thoroughly enjoyed it. And to our podcast listeners, thanks for being a part of the podcast. We love you guys. We're so glad to provide any hope and encouragement that we can. Grace and peace. Until next time. So long. Thanks so much for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. You can find show notes and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. We have an exciting announcement. Michael Wilder's new book, Passport to Heaven, is out, and for a donation of $20 or more to the podcast, we'll send it to you. It's the true story of a zealous Mormon missionary who discovers the Jesus he never knew. Just go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the Micah's Book button to get yours. We appreciate your support of the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals.